I'm Laura Ingle, and we're spending a few moments with none other than Dee Snyder. He is here in studio. You know him as the front man of Twisted Sister, rock band that's been around for decades. You and I actually met on an airplane. Yes. Years ago, I was working for Geraldo for Fox News, and we were on a cross-country flight from New York to L.A., and yeah. I could not believe it when I got my boarding pass, I got on the airplane, I never get to sit up in first class, and I just got bumped up that particular day, and I looked down at my ticket, I looked at the seat, I looked at the ticket, I looked at my seat, I said, oh my gosh, I am going to be sitting next to Dee Snyder for this flight. We're talking six hours here. Yes. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to and me. And what did I do? I didn't talk to you right away, right? No. I, you know, it evolved very nicely. Because, I, you know, I do fly low-key baseball hat on that guy. You know, yeah. I'm by myself. No entourage. So I just sort of, you know, keep to myself. A conversation ensued very naturally. Not about music. And just connected as people. It was yeah. great. And we've been friends ever since. That's right. So the first thing I want to start with is the fact that you have been a part of Louder Than Words a new exhibit at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. It involves rock and politics, two things that have gone together for a really long time, and now there's an exhibit about it, and you were there to help open it. They reached out to me to interview me because of my involvement with the Senate hearings in the 80s and the PMRC, and they asked if I had anything to let them exhibit, and I gave them uh, my cut-off denim jacket oh, that I wore. That's nice. with Sister Denim. Of course. Which, which shocked people when I walked in, you know, dressed wearing snakeskin boots and a cut-off denim. You know, Did you make your hair bigger than extra normal? Big. Extra big that day? Because I remember the clips, and you know, you and John Denver and Frank Zappa, and here you are filling the room with the blonde curls. It, my wife said, when I'm performing in any capacity, it just starts to get larger and larger. <laughs> but I did put, I remember putting mascara on, because that's what I did back then. Sure. You know, getting ready for let a him, Let him have it. The you know, true Snyder. That was me. And, and then, uh, they, so after interviewing me, they said, hey, would you like to come to the opening? And I was honored to, to be there to see, I mean, the artifacts, the history, and significance. I mean, you're, the first thing you see when you walk in is Jimi Hendrix's white Stratocaster that he played at Woodstock when he played the Star Spangled Banner, which is a very significant performance of that song and a moment, you know, that's the Woodstock generation. I mean, it really, that moment in time captured forever a certain feeling. Does any of this affect you? You're a huge rock star. You walk in and you see all these rock artifacts. Does stuff like that make your heart beat fast? Were you excited to see these things? Because I, I would imagine somebody of your stature might be a little jaded. So the first time I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I was there as a guest, and they gave me the grand tour, which brings you into the artifacts room where they store everything. The stuff that you don't see displayed is stored. They said, Deep, just don't touch anything. And I literally scoffed. I said, please. I'm Dee Snyder. I, yeah, I'm a rock star. I mean, I'm not affected by some memorabilia. I mean, I, I, I live rock and roll. Walked in the room, and John Lennon's New York City t-shirt was laying on a table in front of me, and all I wanted to do was touch it. I desperately, and I turned to the guy, I said, you're right, I'm as affected as anybody else. I mean, when you see your history in artifacts like that, it's significant. And so when I went to the display and I saw that guitar, that, that Hendrix, just to see it right in front of you, it's just amazing. You walk into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you get to see all these cool artifacts. You are actually starstruck by seeing Jimi Hendrix's guitar. Yeah, and then I saw Dee Snyder's vest. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> We talk about censorship and what's happening. What happened way back then when, you know, you were fighting against the PMRC and explaining your music and what it meant, and you had John Denver by your side and, and Frank Zappa. And now fast forward to where we are today with censorship. 
How has it changed? The fight for, you know, First Amendment rights, Second Amendment too. First Amendment rights is ongoing. I mean, you know, it's, it's as relevant today as it was then. We don't have the same issues with records because it's all downloads and we mm-hmm. have those little tiny, you know, warning stickers on the do- iTunes downloads now, but nobody even notices them. Do we stop people from speaking and saying and doing what they want to do, uh, or do we let people express themselves freely? This is the United States of America. So it's ongoing. It's as important today as it was yesterday. And if we don't study history, we're doomed to repeat it. That's what they right. say. And, and that's what this display, uh, this exhibit at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame shows you what we've been fighting against, what music has stood for over the years, and what it needs to still continue fighting against. It's important to bring in, I mean, for people who may not have been politically active, Active, but we're active in music and rock and roll. It's a nice tie-in, and you have a tie-in with your song, uh, with one of the greatest Twisted Sister, one of the greatest songs, uh, anthems. We're not going to take it, and that was used briefly by Donald Trump. A lot of people may have heard that and may not even know that you then said, "Wait a minute, can you please stop using it?" But you're friendly with Donald Trump, and you think he's a good guy. Donald Trump is a great guy. I consider him a friend, and I hope he still. You guys were on the cele- you were on Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, uh, Celebrity Apprentice. I was on three seasons in, in multiple capacities. I've done charitable work with the family mm-hmm. uh, for different causes. Of theirs uh, and the the kids, great family, and I like them very much. And and I know they like me very much as well. Sort of pointing to the class that Donald has is he called and asked if he could use my song. He didn't just use it outright. He asked. And I gave, as a friend, I gave him permission to use it. As I've said many times, with friends, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion, and you don't talk about sports if you want to get along. And um, If you want the barbecue to last. Yeah, I didn't know uh, his views on a lot of things. And he's got some pretty extreme views, certainly extreme from where I'm standing. And after a few months of him using the song, and he used it more than once, it was his opening song every rally, I called him and said, listen, I, I really can't stand behind what you are representing. Some of the things you represent are just go against my basic be- core beliefs. I said, I need you to stop using the song. And he said, okay. And he stopped using it that night. Yeah. So because and everything's you haven't had recorded, that experience. Well, no, no. People usually call, call you and ask you. And, and, you know, and again, it wasn't a, a media thing. It wasn't me going out there and saying and bashing him for using the song. He asked and I gave him permission. I asked him to stop and he stopped. And, you know, and I said, you know, I hope we're still cool here. And he goes, of course, we're still cool here. You've done so much charity work with me, your friend. You know, just because you don't agree on certain things doesn't mean you can't still be friends. One of the things uh, frustrating, perhaps, for some of your fans is the news that you are hanging it up with Twisted Sister. I don't, you know, I don't understand this. And yes, it is frustrating for people. I don't know why they want their heroes to go on forever. And and they never want to get let you leave. <laughs> okay? But they won't buy a new record. Right. Okay, so they want the old artists not to retire, yet they don't want you doing new they music. We're not supporting you in that way. And <laughs> and you know, and I don't know what exactly why they can't I don't know. They just want you to be there forever. And I guess I want to leave the legacy of Twisted Sister with some dignity. And, and you know, and and that is of of me rocking out the way you expect me to rock. 
rock out. You had a, a very big loss in the band. That was significant for me, too. It's always been the five of us. I know a lot of bands are out there with three original members, two original members, one original member, the drummer. Hey, Ringo, you ain't the Beatles. Uh, you know, no, Ringo's not going out. But you know what I mean? You yeah, see these bands. And us, it was always the five of us. And then AJ passed away last year, and that sort of said, should we keep plugging in a new person, or should we call it and say, Twisted Sister as a band is no longer? And we decided to do that. So you've got the solo album. I was approached by award-winning producer-songwriter Damon Ranger, who has Emmy and Oscar, Grammys. He writes for Kanye, he writes for Katy Perry, Gaga, the biggest. And he approached me and said, D, I think there's a mainstream rock record for in you that will reach a much broader audience. He says, you, D. Snyder, your brand has expanded, yet your music still caters to a small segment of the population, uh, as opposed to for lack of a better word, capitalizing mm-hmm. on the broader audience who knows you from Celebrity Apprentice and reality TV and, and acting and radio and Broadway and all those things. He showed me some music and uh, it was uh, I loved it and it led to a record deal. It's going to be very different. It's, it's think uh, audience-wise, not heavy metal, think Foo Fighters, 30 Seconds from Mars, think in that rock vein. And what happens when you're up on stage and people are yelling, I want to rock and all the other Twisted Sister songs that everybody loves, we're not going to take it. And they're yelling that at you because we know what happens. You can't you just be say no, it's D. not. Snyder and not play one of those songs. In mentioning your resume of all the different things that you've done, I want to ask you, what is the one thing that you think people would be surprised to learn about D. Snyder? Okay, three. Let's hear them. One, it wasn't a wig. That was my hair. Actual hair on my head. Mm-hmm. There's some, uh, he, and he's wearing the wig. No, it wasn't a wig. Two, I'm not Jewish. I'm in the book Jews Who Rock. I, 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 just because I have a, a dramatic last name and a big nose, it's a that you must be Jewish. It's, that, is, that is racism, by the way. I don't know what that is, but that's, it's, I'm in the book Jews Who Rock. Thirdly, I wrote a, a big Christmas song for Celine Dion. What? Yeah, I actually wrote it for my wife. She asked me to write her a Christmas song, and, and I told her she was insane, and I wrote it for her as a gift. And years later, Buddy, who was an engineer at the time on the session, because I just had it demoed, I couldn't even sing the song. Mm-hmm. It's a legit song called The Magic of Christmas, God Bless Us, Everyone. And he got the call and said, are you sitting down, dude? Celine Dion wants to do your wife's song on her album. And I was like, did you tell her who wrote it? <laughs> And he said, not yet. I said, well, don't tell her Satan wrote her Christmas song. <laughs> Just put it on the damn record. <laughs> I mean, it sold 8 million copies. Uh, no, it's, it's more than yeah, 8 million now. And then it was on Rosie O'Donnell's Christmas album. That one, pl- double platinum. So we called our house the house St. Celine built. Right. Yes. I was going to say, you must be able to fly fantastic. private jet. Yes, Forget about that uh, first class. Yes. So wait, you didn't, you didn't write it for her. You wrote it for your wife. And then she came in and said, I like this song. Interestingly, the only song I've ever written not for commercial okay. use. You have this soft spot for Christmas, don't you? I do, I do. I, Halloween and Christmas, my two favorite holidays. <laughs> my daughter was born on Halloween, and, and at our house, it's, it's insane. It's the scariest house for Halloween, and it's the most... <laughs> It's a, it's the most just classic Bing Crosby, wonderful life, Christmassy kind of thing, Jimmy Stewart uh, holiday house. So, yeah, I, I do. I've, written, I've even written a musical called The Rock Roll Christmas Tale, which was um, staged in Chicago two years ago in Toronto last year. So that's something else that I, I wrote and star in and I've been trying to get going. Does Celine know now that you wrote that song? I've never met her. I've heard rumors that she found out, but it's too late. You can't <laughs> pull it off the albums. I've cashed the check. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, when you go to my house, you see all these you know, platinum and gold records for Twisted stuff. And then there's this massive plaque from Celine Dion. And everyone's like, what? The? It's like a double take moment. Can't wait to find out what you're going to do next and what is in store for Dee Snyder because you have done so much. And, and who knows? I told you I wrote a musical. That had to be fairly surprising. I mean, you wrote a musical. Yes. And then I went to your, and I also saw you in your Broadway. Dee does Broadway. Dee does was, Broadway. Yeah. Mac the oh, Knife. Oh, Mac the Knife. I like challenges. Mm-hmm. Would on. you ever be challenged by having short hair? I was actually thinking about that because I know if you get offered a certain movie role, if you get the right part, yes. And that's the thing. If you're going to be an actor, and I don't expect that I'm going to get like a, you know, become the action hero. I expect that some indie film. You're fit enough to be an action oh, hero. Oh, thank you. I am. Thank you. But maybe some indie film will want me to roll and, I, and if it required cutting the hair, I'd do it. You would. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dee, thank you for coming by. I, yeah, I offered my hair to Locks of Love and they said no. <laughs> 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 that that would be something, but you never know. Yeah. No, I'll, I'm cool with being bald. I, the, the, I, the, the cancer kid said, I'm cool with being bald. No, I would, I don't I would want hazard to guess that your hair would actually bring some good money in charity as well. All right, so we can find you where? We can find you on Twitter. We can find you on your website. We can find yeah. you on the radio. Give me all the handles. At the Snyder. At Snyder with an I. It's an adjective, not a proper noun. I'm Snyder than you are. Uh, my <laughs> website, thesnyder.com. D. Snyder Facebook, all that, all that D. Snyder stuff out there, yeah. Yeah, and you're not rid of me yet, people. Just because I'm retiring from Twisted Sister, <laughs> I'll be annoying the crap out of you for a long I time. Think, I think we've learned a lot today, D. Thank we've you. We've learned too much. We've, we've learned an awful lot. D. Snyder, thank you so much. We are spending a few moments with D. Snyder. That's a wrap. I'm Laura Engel, and this is Fox News Radio. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.